0: Open your Bibles, if you will, with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10 is where we're going to be looking at tonight. And we'll be going to chapter 10, verse 22 through 26 is where we'll be. So if you'll turn there and uh, we'll get ready to read that portion of Scripture. But one of the things I want to just ask you a little bit about tonight is this guy, Darwin's Theory of Evolution. Darwin's theory of evolution. So what? Is it a big deal? What, what, what makes it a big deal? Goes against God's word. Against God's word. Okay? So this, this guy went to uh, some islands and he did some studying there and, and needless to say, he came up with some really interesting ideas And so the crux of Darwin's theory of evolution focuses on the elimination of inferior species gradually over time through a process called natural selection, natural selection. But the problem we all know is that we can't seem to find that missing link between this group of species of things to this. I've been told that we evolved from primordial slime. I believe I was made in the image of the one God in heaven. And so those people who embrace that type thinking are, are to be pitied, but not only pitied, but they have a passion about their beliefs. And if you've ever seen some of the debates, uh, it, it really, they really get wound up, they really do. So how natural processes can account for the existence of life and the many forms of life on earth is what he was trying to postulate. And so he did that by looking at ancient organisms, the fossil layers, the similarities among organisms that are alive today and the similarities in dna and then similarities in embryos and so those were some of the things that that was was thought out this is how we can make sure that it happens and this is how we can convince the world of what we believe i go completely against that because i believe that in the beginning god no ifs No ends, no question marks. In the beginning, it was God. And God spoke the world into existence. And not only did he speak it into existence, he is able to sustain it and hold it and keep everything going just the way he designed it to go without any help from me or you. Thank goodness he didn't ask for me because I've got some really... I know I wouldn't get it right. So what we need to think about tonight is the the idea of a biblical worldview or a Christian worldview. And it's a worldview based on God's unchanging word. Okay, And so since God is the creator of everything in heaven and in earth, he is the, the standard for truth. Okay, And so when we think about a standard for truth. I know in the engineering world, you have to have standards whereby you can say that pi r squared is true no matter what. <laughs> Everybody know what pi r squared is? There's a couple of you. Three, four, okay. <laughs> so the standard for truth. And so what is this, this, this whole idea of, of understanding this is what we're going to look at tonight. Okay? so. In John chapter 10, verses 22 through 26, we'll go there. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, you know, I'm going to always leave it to this crowd to try to start something. They said unto him, how long dost thou make us in doubt? Now, they come to Jesus, and they're, they're wanting to just say, hey, make it real plain. We want the truth. Can you give us exactly what's going on? And remember, there was a point in time in the Scripture where Jesus said you know, that he would speak to them in parables because it wasn't given for them, to know, but to his disciples, he would explain some of those things to him. But so here's this group of people asking Jesus, you know, hey, tell us plainly, you know, and and in our day and age, we always want the cliff notes version. How many of you remember the cliff notes that gives your age away real quick? (laughs) You know, you, you go to the bookstore and say, could I have the cliff notes of this book? Because you didn't want to read the whole book. You just wanted that section that you could pass the test in college. So that was one of the things. So Jesus answered them. And what did he say? I told you. It's been made known. It's been manifested. I told you. And ye believe not. Then the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. And when he says me, he's referencing, we're going to see in a little bit, he's referring to himself as the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. And so um, the works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Now, Jesus was definitely a, a powerful speaker and many believed on him because of his words but he had some also amazing miracles in which uh, was done during the time that he was here on earth. Now we think about the setting and during the 6th century B.C. when Herod had built this magnificent temple and all of this was all in place and Jesus was on this east side and it was during the uh, Feast of Dedication that they were there and jesus is there with his disciples and this whole crowd of scribes pharisees and the religious leaders of that day and age came around him and they encircled him and it was like okay we're going to finally get to the truth of the matter tell us tell us plainly we want to know are you the christ now had he said yes i am the christ the messiah Right at that moment, they would have taken him and and they would have tried to stone him to death simply because of his blasphemous statements about saying that he was the Christ. And so when we take a look at this, we're going to see some things that miracles are acts of God that point to Jesus and glorify him. Miracles or acts of God that point to Jesus and glorify him. We live in a day and age, and I'm back in the 60s and the 70s. How many of you remember the 60s and the 70s really well? So the rest of you will have to come along with us. <laughs> okay. Remember when there, were, there was a, an evangelist out of uh, Oklahoma? I'm not going to mention his name. But there was this great evangelist out of Oklahoma, and he went around healing people. And, you know, it was, it was such a deal back then because people would come up in wheelchairs, and they would walk up, and they would touch them, and the people would stand up, and they would walk on stage, and they would take the wheelchairs and throw them off to side. Remember that era? Sounds a little bit like that. <laughs> and there are even some today continue that process of, of maybe maybe making themselves the, the, the point of glorification. And so through miracles though, and there were some miracles, and we're going to see tonight what miracles are even taking place today around us. We are seeing some magnificent miracles taking place. And we'll close tonight on all the different reactions of these miracles, okay? Now, a little before this, in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 10, I'd like to just go here for just a brief second. And Jesus passed by, and he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born Blind. So, in this period of time, in some of the religious people's understanding, your situation in life, whether or not you were born fully whole, or if if things were going well in your life, or if they weren't going well in your life, it was because of sin or no sin in a person's life. So, it was like, who sinned? Was it this man? or his mother and father, that he is like this. Because no man would be like this, blind, unless, of course, someone done something so bad that God, you, would render them blind. So who was it? Help us understand this whole process, if you would. Now, and Jesus answered, said, neither this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I don't know if you... It, I've done it. You ever seen someone and you wondered, you know, man, they've lived a wicked life, and you look at how things have turned out for them later on in, your, in their life. And is there a tendency to say, oh, you know, this is a result of that wicked, evil life that he lived? Sure, I think we do sometimes. And if you eat a lot of greasy food and there is a history of high cholesterol in your family, you probably would probably, if something were to happen, you have a stroke. It's a good correlation there. But Jesus is showing us and showing these disciples at this time that that is not the case, but that the glory of God was going to be revealed in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sin. And he went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they that which before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, how were thine eyes open? He answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, go wash in the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Now, one part I want to pull out of this just real quickly and help, help us take a look at is the fact that the neighbors, therefore, and we have this tendency what are our belief systems based on? I know a lot of things in my life is based on what my big mama told me and my, my granddaddy Oscar told me. I mean, there's the wisest couple of people that I knew. And it's really interesting. When I was in my mid teens and later teens, I thought my grandmother was smarter than my dad. I mean, my dad just my dad wasn't the smartest person in the world in my view when i was that age i turned 20 and my dad got me started making sense by the time i was 25 the man was a genius <laughs> so as we as we think about how our lives are impacted and crafted by the things external to us when we come to christ There are so many things in our life and in our upbringing that we have to wrestle with and combat. Why? Because maybe they are not God-centered and God-focused. And so I have to kind of rid myself of that thinking. This man was healed, and his neighbors, those who had seen him all this time, said, No, that's him. No, it's not. Can't be him. They were so stuck in the way they thought and perceived who people were. And I think sometimes I do that. Oh, that's so-and-so. He always does this. When, when, I, when I come to Christ, though, so I can start seeing things in a totally different light. And so the point that I want to make is that miracles are an act of God that point us to Jesus and they glorify him. And any time we see these miracles. Now, we go back to our text in John chapter 10. He said, I told you, and ye believe not, the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me, but ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. If thou be the Christ, the Hebrew term Messiah, or the anointed one. Tell us, we want to know, let us understand and know who you are. He said, ye believe not, but this word believed here is a firm inner conviction, to be convinced that something is true. I am firmly convinced that upon my death or upon the return of Christ that I I'm going to heaven. No question in my mind anymore. There was a period of time in my life that I was afraid of death. You ever been there? I was it's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a big boy, but I don't know if I'm ready to die. But I can say to you right now that I believe everything that God has said in his word and I, and I can say that, and, and I will be tried and tested on everything that I testify before you tonight. But I believe that. Jesus said, you believe not. You don't have a firm inner conviction about who I am. You don't believe that what I'm saying is true. He said, you're not my sheep because of your disbelief, your mistrust, and, and you, you, you believe everything that I've done is false, and it's from the devil." And so that's what he was having to wrestle with. But he said, my sheep know my voice. And a stranger might as well just get lost. He's not going to listen. And so when we, we look at this and we begin to understand that now he is dealing with the people around him, but he's also dealing with his disciples because let's see what good old Philip does. We go to John chapter 14, verses 8 through 11. Now, you would think that after all the time with Jesus, this wouldn't come out, but then this shows us the humanity of Philip, and Philip's no different than you and I. Now, The scribes, the Pharisees, and the religious leaders cornered Jesus, and they said, you know, tell us who you are. We want to know, and let's do this and get it over with right now. They get past that, and they get along. And notice something happens here. Philip said unto him, Lord, (laughs) show us the Father, and it suffice us. Wait a minute. The, The religious leaders just said, are you the Christ or not? He said, the works that I've done, I do in the name of the Father. And if you don't believe me, at least believe the works that I've done. Philip goes up and he says, show us the Father and it suffices us. And Jesus said unto him, have I been so long time with you and yet hast thou not known me? That seems like a pretty harsh I've been with you all this time, and you don't even know me. Would it be as bad as? My wife knows that I like two cream, one sugar in my coffee. It has to be 192 degrees. (laughs) It has to be warm. I don't like cold coffee. She knows that. But if all of a sudden, tomorrow morning, she says, do you like coffee? something's wrong. <laughs> what do you mean do I like coffee? You know I like coffee. And I like it how? I don't remember. I don't know. Two cream, one sugar. Jesus, Lord, show us the father and that'll that'll help sink it in for us. Because right now we're just a little unsettled and we really don't know and then you mean I've been with you this long and you would ask a question like that? I probably would, too. <laughs> Have there been times in my life that I had magnificent faith, and then something else comes along in my life, and I cower and act like I don't know him. You ever been there? You know him, he's your savior, you're going to stand up for him, rah, 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 and then something comes along and it's like, oh, I don't know. What call? Ooh. See, I asked, I asked, I talked about that tonight, Pastor, and he throws, Brian throws a question out. <laughs> I did, yeah, I did, didn't I? What brought this out? Why did Philip doubt? Yes, Dave. <laughs> you be thinking of one. Why did he doubt? And you're, you're number two. Dave, number one. Why did he doubt? Circumstances. Circumstances. Okay. Maybe the tempter? Maybe the tempter. maybe the tempter is at hand. Okay. You're next over there. Yes, ma'am. He just needs more faith, more. But if if he would just show show us the father and we got it. Uh, yes, sir. Okay, so I'm, now, you asked the question, what's the answer? Well, I think it could be a, a couple of things. could be the world. Looks how, look how the world gets in the way of our thoughts about Christ. I mean, you mentioned the Lord Roberts, I think, you were talking about. Okay. we're still learning yeah has anybody got it perfect yet <laughs> nobody's got it perfect yet oh wait well, one person will you raise your hand and yet thou hast not known me boy That would make me feel bad that someone would say, I thought I knew you, but I don't even know you. Jesus had to have a lot of patience and love (laughs) because he has to deal with me. (laughs) I'm one of the world's worst. Let's get back to our lesson. Thank you, Brian. (laughs) Show us the Father. Verse 10, believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words, the logos that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else... Believe me for the very work's sake. Philip, you have seen some mighty miracles. When Jesus came up to Philip and said, follow me, and he went and found Nathaniel. He had a conviction. He believed that it was Jesus, and he acted on that conviction, and he went and he told Nathaniel about Jesus. Then, then Jesus came up. Nathaniel said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Then Jesus comes and has to confront him about what he said and what he thought. So this Philip, remember the people who came to Philip and and said, sir, we would see Jesus. Philip was that person that was was kind of an opening, an open door to, to bring people to Jesus. And yet here he is saying, show us the father and that will suffice us. Now, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. And so there he was dealing with that, and it was, it was a difficult time for Philip because Philip had to sit there and, and believe that, oh, my goodness, I asked that question. And, and I don't want to get on Philip too bad. Maybe truly in his heart, he wanted to see the Father. Just a little bit later on, James and John, in one of the Gospels, James and John's mother went and asked Jesus if James and John could be number one and number two. And then in another Gospel, James and John went to Jesus themselves and said, Hey, grant us this that we can sit on the right hand and one well on the left hand. Have they been with Jesus that long and whoosh, missed that it? it's not about number one, number... Number one, number two, and number three. Wow. And these things were written for us. Why? Because there are some times in our lives we might find ourselves slipping or needing to have that reassurance. You know, sometimes... See, that's why... Bible study in church is so important because sometimes coming in fellowship and fellowship with other believers gives us that. Oh. you ever come to church and when you left here you just energized? It's like it, it just feels so good to be here. You've sang song, you've heard the word. you've seen people get on their knees and cry before the Lord and you just it's like, oh what a rejoicing time. To be able to be here. And then just three weeks later, you're too busy to go to church. It's more me than anybody else. Because I have to deal with this first. (laughs) Right, Pastor? (laughs) He has to deal with those sermons on Sunday morning before he gets up. So, let's see. Let's move on. I'm in the Father and the Father in me. Jesus described a relationship that you got good friends and you can almost, when you got a really good relationship with someone, you can almost say, you can get ready to say something and they say what you're going to say. You ever done that? I've tried this sometimes. I've said, Angie's going to walk in the house and call me Lord. (laughs) Angie's going to walk in the house and call me Lord. (laughs) No, just teasing. But there have been times I I get ready to say something and she finishes it. And I go, back off now. (laughs) Those are my thoughts. (laughs) And she's there. That relationship that we have with the Father should be that one to where the desires of my heart are so in tune and in line with what he is functioning me through his spirit to do that I find myself being in his will not because I made a conscious decision okay God I'm getting ready to do it but because of the spirits moving in my life I am able to move in the things that he's wanting me to do without my conscious man saying, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But it's God that moves in me to cause me to do the things that I do. That is exciting. When you get to the point in your life to where God is revealing himself, this, there's, there's, a, there's a teaching called progressive revelation You know, I know this much about God, but as I continue to read his word, which I cannot believe, every time I read it, I go, wait a minute. I've read that before. Why didn't I? I feel embarrassed sometimes. But there's no need to be embarrassed. That's progressive revelation. God has had to grow me to that point. Were these fishermen and were these, these 12 men able to really whole everything that Jesus was wanting to give them in that short amount of time? Scripture says to us, no. But later on, when the Spirit came and the fellowship of God was in them, they were able to move in the things of God in such a way that, that they turned the world upside down. And it's still being turned upside down. If God is all you have, you have all you need. I thought that was kind of, if God is all you have, you have all you need. Absolutely. What is it? This is another question for everyone. What obstacles prevent many from accepting? The truth of who Jesus is. What obstacles? Okay? Obstacles. Let's 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 break this down. Pardon me. Never hearing about him. Never hearing about him. What other obstacle? What no. obstacle? False perceptions. What are the obstacles are out there? Maybe a lifestyle, way they were brought up. lifestyle the way they were brought up. Yeah. Not knowing, trust not trusting. So it's a trust issue. What okay. What? A, what? Ooh, pride. What about? is ignorance it sounds like a hard thing to say but you know you're ignorant that's in in our culture that's but you're not taught you don't truly understand can a person be saved without being understanding of what a sinner is so a, a sinner has to know that they are a sinner so not knowing ignorance the way you were raised many there there are some other things what else I'm gonna get three more Not not reading his word you don't know what the word says faith cometh by hearing but hearing by the word of God and unless they know the word of God that connection can't happen. Another, uh, one last obstacle. Yes. They allow the enemy to fill their minds, the fill their minds with deceit. Yes. I want to be your, your apostle, one of your disciples. What must I do? Yeah. Do all this. You lack it. One thing. Is that greed? Greed can be an obstacle. Did you say something? Which which one of you? Yeah, it it yeah then someone else jumped in on that. Okay. So what what obstacles prevent many from accepting the truth of who Jesus is we have to skip down to the second part of that accepting who the truth the truth of who Jesus is what is the truth about Jesus he's not a good guy he's not a good man in and, and yet he is but he's not just only a man he is God and man all God Yet all man. And and those two have been merged together. And many people don't come to Christ because they sit here and they hear the word proclaimed and they may be struggling with, what does all this mean? What does all this mean? This guy's saying something about Needing to get saved, what does all that mean? I- ignorance, lack of understanding of the scripture, the truth of who Jesus is, and why he came to do what he did. Personal, I misspelled relationship, didn't I? <laughs> Personal relation, it should be relationship, I'm sorry. So, uh, personal relationship with God. What is that? What is a personal relationship? Let's, just, let's define personal relationship first. What is a personal relationship? I didn't say anything. <laughs> what is a personal relationship? You have you have the ability to commune with him. What else? Personal community. What is that Personal relationship. You're in the word with him every day. You it, you're thinking, you're praying. Yes. You know, someone really, really well. you know someone really well on an intimate level. God knows me inside out. And I know that he still loves me. How can God love somebody like me? And for him, it's easy because I'm God. Okay So our personal So this brother is a believer. What your name? Kevin Kevin, Kevin is a believer. How many people watch Kevin every day to see what he's doing? more than he would know. They watch how Kevin reacts. They, can't, they, they watch what he's doing. He trips. Does he say anything? <laughs> They're watching all the time. And it's, it's a lame excuse. Well, I don't want to be a Christian because if I'm going to be a Christian, I saw Kevin and I know what he did. I think we could all get caught up in that. Yeah, absolutely. Personal relationship with God. Now, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. Jesus says, greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. Boy, I could stop there and take about 10 minutes. Whatever is asked in his name, that will he do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. I don't know how many times I've heard sermons on ask it in the name of Jesus and you will receive I remember that growing up. I could even tell you the minister's name that said it when I was growing up. And I heard it and I heard it and I heard it. And I think I probably grew up thinking, you know, all I got to do is just say, I want this in the name of Jesus. And it's going to happen. never did, though. It never did. And you know what? I want to say, praise the Lord. It didn't happen. Because I probably would have wanted and asked for things that I have no ability to manage. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, here's, try to get through these last three slides really quickly. Greater things than he does. Luke, and these were supposed to come up one at a time. Never mind. Luke fifteen seven. I say unto you that likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman having 10 pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she had found it, she called her friends and her neighbors together, saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. This is a beautiful verse. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. (laughs) Rejoicing in heaven. Just because someone repented, that's a great work. I have the capacity to do some things that are considered great work. Because of salvation, we will someday enjoy a home in heaven. And I'm going to be able to spend an eternity with Christ. What is another great thing? The saving of human beings from sin and its consequences, which include death and separation from God, that just by me being able to utter words from the scriptures can cause a person to be convicted of sin And ask God for forgiveness and repentance and ask Him to save them. All because of what I can say. You don't have to be an ordained pastor to do that. God will give you that gift and that ability right now. So I can be a part of that saving human being from sin and its consequences. And that consequence, the greatest uh, consequence, is the separation from God. This means that you can come to Him in prayer, and know that since you have access to Him, He will hear you and answer your prayers. Now, let's just just real quickly. This means that when I when I come to Him in prayer, and I've got access with him he hears even when I don't say it he hears isn't that amazing I don't even have to say it he hears it now Romans 10 9 through 10 and I've been very fortunate in my life to be able to have experienced this, to read this scripture with someone, and they've come to Christ. What greater work can be done? It's not sitting in the White House. It's not having an apartment on on Fifth Avenue. It's not being on a large ranch. But being able to just to say to someone, if you confess with your mouth. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a savior. I've not lived the the life that I I should have lived. And I believe that Jesus is the anointed Messiah sent from God. I believe that. And he he raised him from the dead. He's going to come back again. I can be saved. By this? And when I, when that person accepts Christ, the rejoicing starts, I don't know how long, is the rejoicing a day, two days? Or is there just a sense of rejoicing in glory? Another one is coming to the kingdom. Let us rejoice. Christ's work has manifested itself. Let us rejoice. And it's over and over. And it's hallelujah and there's praising all over the place because one person came to Christ. Wow, that's some exciting stuff. Man, and the angels start rejoicing. It is absolutely wonderful. We have a reservation in heaven awaiting us. You know your address? I know what mine is. It's the corner of Street of Golds and Pearly Gate Avenue. I'm going to be in glory with him. I'm not going to sorrow about anything, Kevin. All the tears that I shed down here are saved in glory. I'll never have to cry again. I'll never have to worry again. I'll never have to feel bad about being in the United States under a certain administration or the way people act or the way they dress. None of that matters. But what really matters more than anything else is grabbing some of those and, as it were, jerking them out of the very pit of hell. It's a new birth or regeneration that occurs when a sinner is saved by God, passing from the state of nature lost into a state of grace saved lost or saved and there is such a gulf in between the two you are either lost or you're saved you can't be lost but look in the right direction you're still lost you can't be saved, but I may lose it, and I better act right. Because once you're saved, you're saved. Eternal security is right there for you. And as heaven has rejoiced over you when you came to Christ, there's more rejoicing that yet needs to be done. Amen? God, we thank you so much for this night and for, for how you just bless us so much with who you are and your word.